Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, also known as the only podcast where Jim will not be talking about politics or the presidential election this week. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, it is really good to hear from you. Listeners, I know it's been a long while, but we are finally together. It's a little bit before Halloween, a little bit before the election. And of course, we're still in pandemic land. Mickey, how are you? Hi, everyone. I am so glad to be here with you, Jim, and taking the time to actually spend some time with our listeners as well. I know that this is kind of like the crazy season for you, Jim. So I'm glad that you were able to squeeze some time away. And as you know, my schedule has not exactly been flexible these days either. Um, But I am so excited to be here and to not be talking about politics. Yeah. If you're Tuning in and hoping we will tell you your candidate's going to win, your candidate's not going to win. You got the wrong uh, show. This, this is not – every other show is talking about that this week, and that's fine. God bless mm-hmm. them. That's what you do. But if you needed a break, this is what we're here for. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about TV shows and what's on Netflix because they're not doing movies anymore. Uh, <laughs> but something that was – that kind of broke up the, the uh, presidential race monotony just in the last day or two. Mickey, one of our recurring topics on this show is Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Your belief that she is uh, one of the great minds of the 21st century. And, oh, absolutely. You know, you know, completely underrated and underregarded for her multifaceted I know. You know, um, assets. And I emphasize, I said assets. I heard you. Okay, I heard there we you. go. For any listeners out there who, who thought I had, you know, her, her you know, spectacular I think it's important sets. to note yeah. that I'm right, by the way. You can mock me all you want. But I'm still right. She's a billionaire. Every right? time. Yeah. She has yep. her own business, her own companies. She's studying to take the bar right now. And as we all know, she actually got people freed from prison. Huh? So she's already like way better than all the other celebrities combined. Okay. So this week she turned 40. And out of nowhere, early you know, on Twitter, I guess probably Twitter and I imagine Instagram and all the other mm-hmm. social media platforms, she announced, as I understand it, you know, she had had all of her inner, her, she called her inner circle. It did not look like a small inner circle. It was her inner circle. It was a, it was a, a inner circle of, it seemed like at least a couple dozen people. It's really more of an inner uh, oval. It, it, it couldn't, it couldn't <laughs> shrink that small. And uh, it, you know, insert joke about Kim Kardashian and big round things right here. Um, nice. And and so she went, had all of them tested, and then they went out to some sort of private island. Did they ever say which one? Uh, no, as far as I know, they did not. But that doesn't mean that you won't find out if you dig deep into the rumor mills. Um, I think, and even into her feed, because she was putting out some more pictures today. Yes, our girl Kim has turned 40. And last week on her 40th birthday, she actually posted some very, um, I know you're going to be shocked, revealing photos. <laughs> um, and it's so unlike her. <laughs> right. And said, this is 40. And I think it's for a lot of people, Kim has been empowering in many ways for women that you, you probably would never understand as a guy. Um, <clears throat> and I think a lot of women overlook. And I say this because I want to ask you to go and look at magazines or photos of quote-unquote hot chicks from the late 90s. Um, And I say this because the majority of them were very skeletal, Mm. very thin, you know, maybe they, you know, might have kind of a boob, but not really because if they did, nothing would fit them properly. 
Um, and so they were just these like wayfish thin, think Kate Moss, right? That I, I was just look. about to say those photo shoots um, where she looked like she was, you know, reenacting Schindler's List. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like that was kind of the look. And even her best friend, who was super popular at that time, Paris Hilton, had that same look, right? Super tall, super thin, barely their boobs, barely their butt. And that's how everybody was expected to look. And along comes Kim Kardashian. Right. And in the same wave as really the J-Lo's um, and other. But Kim really made it mainstream of like, hey, look, I've got a big, giant ass. And you know what? Guys like it. So I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to work out and lose it. In fact, I'm going to accentuate it. And I've got big boobs and I'm going to use those, too. And like it, it's it's really like as though she made the Sir Mix-a-Lot song come alive. <laughs> You got a big, you know, <laughs> got itty bitty waist, put a round thing in your face, you got sprung. And yeah. suddenly, like, women like myself who, have, you know, have more curves, uh, suddenly there's things for you to buy. How about that? It changed the way clothes fit for women. You could actually go and buy clothes that were made for people who had boobs and things like that. And you weren't just, like, required to buy, like, a muumuu anymore. Uh, and so, obviously, I could talk about Kim for hours, but we'll just say that much. Okay. I just want to, for any listener who is already, you know, first of all, if you've been listening to the show before, you probably are familiar with this. But if not, if you can't tell, Mickey has spent about eight to nine hours in Zoom calls today. And I have spent roughly the same amount of time either working, writing stuff, or or doing other podcasts and other video appearances. So if we seem a little loopier or maybe... <laughs> A little more talk about boobs and things like that. That's mm -hmm. probably what's going on. A little punchier than usual. Yeah, there you go. So, so obviously, look, within a, with, almost immediately after the photos hit, there were a lot of people who instantly got very mad at Kim Kardashian and her family for posting this. Because they were basically, I think what, what, what struck me, and I kind of am, I'm not angry about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time being, you know, spending a lot of energy about raging against this. But Clearly, if you are Kim Kardashian and you are wealthy enough, you can effectively opt out of the dumpster fire of a year of 2020, and you can get together in a big party without masks, without social distancing, the way we all wish we could since, like, March. Uh, to which I would respond, duh. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you and I back in April were making fun of these celebrity videos. Mm -hmm. Where they're all singing, we're all in this together mm -hmm. from, you know, their luxury condos. Or, right, or their yachts. Remember or their that yachts one? their yachts or their mansions. I think, wasn't that David Geffen who sent it from his yacht? Um, but I, again, people went absolutely crazy because in one of the, when she was introducing the photos from her trip, she said that exactly as she said, she had her inner circle tested over a two-week period they quarantined and she took a bunch of her family and girlfriends to a private island so they could relax and enjoy her birthday like the normal times now people lost their mind but in the follow-up tweet that was really in the same thread it said i realized how privileged i am mm -hmm. it's you know she went on to say that she felt very blessed that she was able to do this and people railed on her. And then look, I have no problem with people doing the meme. And like, if you're, you know how I feel, if it's funny, it counts. You can roll with it. Yeah. Like, everybody else's not... version of the, I've taken my, my inner circle to a private Island. Yeah. I had put one out with uh, Jurassic park as, right, as the private right. Island. Like, we those were very, very funny. Like, and, and again, you know me, if it's funny, it flies. I don't care who it's talking about. Um, however, I think there were other people who took it to another level of like, 
shame on Kim Kardashian, shame, shame. And I'm like, you know what? Screw you people. <laughs> like, she earned her money. Y'all talked shit about her the entire way up of her career. Um, she has done it all, literally. She has four children. She's married to a man who's running for president, for God's sake. Oh, um, and, you know, in, in several states. Right. And so, you know, she turns 40 and she wants to celebrate and she wants to blow a million of her billion dollars doing so. Good on her. Think of all the other people who benefited from this, by the way, like all the staff and service people that she like threw all this money at that I'm sure we're not getting any business prior to this. I was going to say, I don't have that much problem. I, I really guess I don't have any problem with her <clears throat> choosing to spend her money the way she likes. I do wonder, Mickey, let's imagine you are head of Mickey Corp. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are a billionaire. You have the money. Not to be confused with Disney. Yes, there you go. Right. The other, the, the, the nefarious Mickey who's taking over the rest of, <laughs> the other Mickey taking over pop culture. Um, so you, you, you've got the money. You know, would you do this with your inner circle? And I guess the second question is, I think I think the answer to this one I'm going to guess is yes. But would you then post pictures of it for the whole world to say? Okay. Yes, I would go on this trip with my friends. Um, and yeah, I'd post pictures because the truth of the matter is, the people that were bitching about Kim Kardashian are the people who always bitch about Kim Kardashian. The people that are her fans want to see that. That's why they're her fans. They mm. like being they. In a way, you feel like um, when you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians and you follow them on Instagram, we discussed this before, you feel like you know that person. So you feel like you're a part of their lives. And I think that her followers really appreciated the fact that she shared that with them. When yeah, she I mean, have to. you know, if you're if you're the kind of person who cares about celebrity parties. Mm-hmm. Well, then you probably want to know about this one, right? This sounds right. like it's kind of a big one. And it, it is sort of uh, surprise you know, in the element of, of to the degree to which news is man bites dog, not dog bites man, right? It's something <laughs> surprising and unusual. Well, someone being able to throw a party during this ongoing pandemic is kind of surprising and unusual. Oh, and it's the Kardashians. Everything she does generates news. Oh, and here are pictures. And it looks like this, you know, greatest I don't know if it was Hawaii, but it looks like a hula, you know, the perfect. Oh, the private island that looked like it was in the South Pacific based oh, yeah, on the yeah. pictures. I don't Tahiti really know. or yeah, yeah, it's a magical it was, place. It looks magical. I wanted yeah. to be there. I Again, all I could think of was like, I need better friends. <laughs> None of my friends take me to private islands. I'm just saying. Well, and, Mickey, how so. many of your friends are billionaires, but who've decided they don't want to put everyone through the quarantine protocol? <laughs> So many, so many. <laughs> they just don't have time for that. But how about this? What about we give her props for making them go through quarantine and making it yeah. clear that they did? Like, and it's not like they just won the World out, Series and he ran it and she ran onto the field. Yeah. Somebody pointed out on Twitter because that's where all the mean kids hang out. Um, that one of the things they loved about the photos was, of course, no one in her group had to wear masks. They'd all been tested and quarantined and whatever. Um, but all of the staff and all the pictures had their masks on. Uh, <laughs> I, so so you could tell who was the help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we no longer we no longer even have to gaze upon the faces of the higher uh, help. 
their yeah, their noses and mouths are are taken away from us. You know, never mind eye contact. They will. You know. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, you know, don't lose sleep over this, America. Like, you know, like I, I myself would not want to showcase my good fortune in a good time like this. I, you know, look, you're knocking on wood. You this know. is her brand, though. This yeah, is what exactly. she does. I mean, for one, they've been hurting, I'm sure, as far as just like social media, like because she and Kylie have been taking photo shoots at their house. Um, they had, there's been several different photo shoots that have been done at their homes over the last several months. And the fact that they are in fact models and they do make money off of these photo shoots and their appearances and all of these other things. Um, I think that, you know, there's certain, they've taken a hit of sorts, not the kind that normal people do, but at the same time, one of the very strange things that's happening all at the same moment in the Kardashian universe is that this is the final season of keeping up with the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. I, I, when I saw the pictures of this party, I wondered if this was almost tied into that. Like Probably. she's 340. It's the end. Of, you know, she's been this reality television star for, for more than a decade. You know, one chapter of her life is ending. Another chapter of her life is beginning. And, you know, I can't begrudge her for wanting to mark that. Now, obviously there are lots of people around the world who've not been able to mark that because of, the because they don't have the kind of money she has. Yeah, there you go. That's and, it. And you can buy your way out of the, you know, headaches of this dumpster fire of a year. And, and ha that has always been the case. Yeah. All right. I say this because, of course, we know the Hanks, you know, they flew from Australia back to the yeah. U.S. and we're in Greece by, like, <laughs> the next weekend. So, yeah. again, all of that is for us, not for them. But I, as you know, I love Kim. I celebrate her. I, I think it's fantastic that she's able to do the things that she does and even here we are a decade on she is still able to garnish attention in oh. a way that quite frankly others just wish that they could and when you say garnish you mean that next month she's going to do a photo shoot with just holly berries and sparklers and, and tinsel right that's you know well, it is christmas yeah um <laughs> All right. So also one other thing you called my attention to this right before we started the show, speaking of uh, uh, attractive women in the field of entertainment. Um, so no, it was no less than Scarlett Johansson, star of the Black Widow of the uh, Marvel movies, star of Black Widow, which will be coming out someday. It was supposed to come out this past summer, okay. looking like maybe next summer. Uh, married her longtime boyfriend, Colin Jost who anchors the weekend update on Saturday Night Live. And I got to be honest, I haven't watched it in a long time. My understanding, Mickey, is that the most, pro I, I believe Colin Jost, very self-aware, titled his autobiography, A Very Punchable Face. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was your, because there's, the, he's, you know, it's a funny enough guy. I suppose he's, a, I'm not good at assessing men. I assume he's a handsome enough guy. He cleans up okay. But his, you know, his now wife is Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Here's, oh, yeah. here's my take on all of it. Um, I think he's more attractive than most people who end up on Saturday Night Live. What's weird about him <laughs> but, is that... By the standards of wacky comedians, he's very yeah. handsome. Yes. What's you know. even stranger is that he would be just as comfortable hosting a show on, like, Fox News. Um, he's got that look about him, which is why he's perfect for their weekend update thing, because he legitimately looks like he could be a news anchor. Um, he's kind of got that very blandish 
good look thing going on for him. But my thought is that one, you know, I'm sure she like she clearly likes men with a sense of humor, as her other husband was Ryan Reynolds. So I, I guess that probably plays into it. Wait, but I would. I, how did I not know this? Ryan yeah, Reynolds they, and Scarlett Johansson were not. Wow. They were married. Deadpool and Black Widow. Yeah. And it, but you want to hear the best part? They, their marriage was broken up because he did the Green Lantern and met Blake Lively. Wow. That's, yeah. It's kind of amazing that Ryan Reynolds is such a widely, I don't say beloved, but, you know, mm-hmm. widely liked and seen as this charming, goofy, you know, constantly funny guy. <laughs> He's basically worked his way through some of the most uh, attractive women in Hollywood. Maybe he is very funny and talented. There, there you go. There's something to be said for go. funny guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So she was with him previously. Um, so I think she does like that. But in my swear to God, my initial thought when seeing that they were actually married was their children will have gorgeous teeth. They <laughs> they both have giant perfect smiles and neither look like like the Hollywood kind. I think they were born with these teeth. They may have had braces, but my God, their kids will have teeth that just glow. I'm sure that's exactly what everyone else was thinking too, Mickey. <laughs> Probably not. That's oh. why our listeners tune in for this insight. Insight go. that they can't find anywhere else, Jim. There you go. We deliver it for them. Um, now on the Subject, uh, there's plenty of a good way of, of segueing from celebrity teeth to football, and I just can't do it. My understanding, Mickey, was that the 2020 NFL season was canceled uh, because <laughs> of the coronavirus. I think yours was. I haven't seen anything resembling professional football quite a few weeks now. But since the, you know, last I checked, the Steelers were doing pretty darn well. Uh, I want to give you a few minutes just to... to I'm not saying you wouldn't be venting. You're you're happy. So what's is this? Are you just gonna react like the the Meg Ryan scene in in when Harry met Sally? <laughs> that scene or <laughs> that'll be if we win this weekend. Look, here's the thing, Jim. First of all, I'm so sorry about your Jets. And in case you were wondering, yes, your season was canceled. Um, the best thing that can happen for you guys at this point is a is a good draft pick, and I think that's where you should focus. Oh, that, we're, and we're obviously, yeah. obviously, getting rid of Gaze. Now, getting into my world. Um, I think it's awesome that we're undefeated. I think it's great that we're six and O. Um, I think I've told you guys before. There's there's a guy called Pittsburgh Dad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and he does YouTube videos about being you know, not just Steelers, but a lot of it Steelers related and Pittsburgh related. And he does a piece every week after the games about watching the games and how he feels. And I'm telling you, the dude nails it because. We are six and zero, oh, but it does not feel like we are six and zero. Oh. None of our <laughs> games feel like we're winning them. Even the blowout didn't feel like a blowout. Like it's not right because we'll like get up by like seventeen points, and where every other team in the league could like take a breather and relax and be like, "Huh, oh, you know, we're up. We're on, sitting on the edge of our seats, just waiting because we know it's coming, and then it comes." And like I, you spoke to me about how watching bad football ages you. For years, I have believed that being a Steeler fan cuts 10 years off your life because they never, even the wins aren't easy. Like, even the wins cause you to lose good, like, years off your life off the top. And we're going into Ravens Week. This is Ravens Week. 
And as soon as the, you know, the clock hit zero and quite frankly, when, when the kick went wide, um, and we won on Sunday, I was immediately like, yay. And then immediately like, Ooh, this is Ravens <laughs> week. So none of this Attention started immediately. You, you, yeah, had no time it, to you, you don't even get to really relax and enjoy it because we have not played them yet. We don't know what we're getting into with them. I personally think that we're a better team than they are. I don't know that we'll be better prepared. Um, at least this go around, you know, we, we're going to end up playing them twice this year. If things continue, we could end up playing them three times this year. Um, and so it's, it's always interesting because records don't mean anything. I, I personally believe that there's a key and a way to beat Baltimore and it involves, you know, obviously the containment of Lamar Jackson and putting more on his arm, um, and keeping them off the field. So something very similar to what we did with Tennessee. We will see if we're able to do that or not. Um, and again, I might be able to relax if we beat the Ravens. Maybe I'll relax if we lose. I don't know. I don't know when I'll actually relax, um, but I haven't yet. Being undefeated creates its own pressure. Well, and the fact that we're the only undefeated team in the league, Mm -hmm. like that's crazy to me because I've watched our games. It doesn't even seem possible that we are. And the fact that we're the only is insane to me. Do you think the way you feel is sort of a you and I had gone into last year saying it was made for us uh, because Le'Veon Bell had been signed with the Jets and there was all this excitement and ended up being really a nothing special year for the Steelers not making the playoffs for the Jets it went seven and nine but one of those games was against the Buffalo Bills backups and it was generally you know not that great and also Adam Gase was the coach and nothing could be good in that situation. Um, but, like, was it just that last year was such a disappointment? I felt like there wasn't high expectations around the Steelers this year. Yeah, no, there, there wasn't incredibly high expectations, but it all depended on what happened with Ben. Because keep in mm-hmm. mind, he went out at the beginning of the season last year. Yeah. And so we were stuck with backups all year long between Duck and Mason Rudolph and I'm sure somebody else that I'm forgetting. It was insanity. Um, so it really did rely a lot on how Ben performed and we did not have any preseason. We didn't really have any ability Mm -hmm. to see what Ben was going to be like. We could see videos from camp, but you know, we didn't really know. Um, So no, I don't think Steelers fans had really high expectations going in, but I knew that we were going to be better than we were last year. But I think everybody wanted to see how Ben's arm was going to be and you know, how everyone was going to gel and Thus far, I'm very happy with the way the team is progressing. And it's going to sound weird to say this, but we are a team with a perfect record that has not played perfectly. And it makes me feel good knowing that we've got place, like we can get better. We haven't peaked yet. Um, And I think that that's important, Mm. at least at this stage in the game. How are you finding football without fans in the stands? Or, or certainly in, in you know, one quarter or I think in the state of Maryland, we're allowed to do one-tenth or something like that. I will tell you the one thing that I have noticed, and now that I will point it out to you and all of our listeners, they will notice it too. Teams don't have to take timeouts. Um, I have found the only significant difference, um, because they're doing a pretty good job with crowd noise, especially since they started adding music and things that were more realistic. <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, even the minor crowds being amplified are better, but I, I, one of the things I have noticed from start to finish at every single game is that you don't have any team being forced to call a timeout because of Mm. crowd noise. 
Yeah. And so if you pay attention, you'll find that like at the end of the half, you'll look and you're like, almost everybody has their timeouts. It's weird. Um, that's one of the things I've noticed that's been a big significant change. So for whatever that's worth, um, they have not been forced to use their timeouts. And other than that, I haven't really seen that much. Have you? No, I mean, I think um, it's it's funny how it becomes part of the visual atmosphere of the games. Um, whether it's the guys in the dog masks and the dog pound, the Hells Angels and the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders games, Fireman Ed. Like it's it's funny how like the black it, hole, right? It's part of your it's part of the experience, and every time they cut back to a wide shot and you see all the empty seats. It feels a little weird. It's a little reminder that this is not in a normal set of circumstances. Um, but honestly, you know, like I, I did hear a, a um, I didn't witness it, but I heard other people saying that at the Giants game, one of these weeks, they said they pretty sure they heard booing, mm-hmm. and not when the other team scored, but when the Giants failed to do something. Yeah, and I wanted to salute that. Okay, I want to salute that person. I want to because I would love to be the person whose job is to press the button. For Jets booing. <laughs> and I would just keep my thumb on it the entire game. <laughs> Maybe you could write a letter fired. to the Jets organization and see if you could set in on the sound booth. Um, because I have noticed that at other games as well. Um, fans booing, things of that nature, adding in more realistic sound. And, um, yeah, I think that you would be great at that. <laughs> I think that it's, I'm gonna, I have I heard that they've tried to mimic order, actual sounds of, like, actual situations in previous games. I've heard all kinds of things about how they're trying to make it more realistic sounding. But I feel like, Jim, they owed this to you. You could just boo the whole time. And let's be honest, like, what is more authentic <laughs> than the Jets just booing? I, I'm just going to observe. I, I will otherwise this will turn into like a three-hour podcast, and you know, <laughs> Scott Mason will have to come in. And, yeah. So the first thought is um, almost every fan base in the league believe your typical fan believes that he's smarter than the owner, smarter than the general manager, and smarter than the coach. And most fans, the guys who call into sports radio, yeah, you're right. Generally, they're not nearly as smart as they think they are. But I just want to observe that in addition to deliberately hiring Adam Gase. Christopher Johnson, the brother of Woody Johnson, who's currently the U.S. ambassador to the over to the U.K., mm-hmm. um, chose Adam Gase out of a, a field that had Eric Bieniemy, had the guy who's now in Carolina's off to great success, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. They had a whole bunch of really prom- – oh, uh, McCarthy, who's now not doing quite so hot in Dallas, but a you know much more respected name in the league than Adam Gase. So they made that choice. Also, the Jets play the Chiefs this week. I fully expect the game to be 100 to nothing. Uh, I will thankfully be watching the younger <laughs> son play flag football at that For time. For the degenerate I, gamblers on the call. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen the point. over. I think the point spread is Jim Garrity. Yeah, They're, the Jets are trying to keep the spread below three figures. That's that's the real measure there. Um, my my younger son will be playing flag football, and I'm going to watch a much better product on the field in that game than I would have the Jets against the Chiefs. Um, but the Jets. Uh, it's interesting. They thought they chose not to select Patrick Mahomes as quarterback because they had you're a Penn State girl, Christian Hackenberg, and they were completely convinced that Hackenberg was their quarterback of the future. For people who are saying who, as if his name was you know Miles Taylor or something like that, did he even start like for a full? He season? never played a down, Mickey. Okay. I think there was like a handful of games he suited up. 
but I do not believe he ever took the field for the New York mm-hmm. Jets. Then yeah, I think he went to either so the XFL I think or yeah, one of them. You've got a, a front office situation. Like you've got an organizational problem. It's yeah, not it and you know, and when you people know, ask you about the execution, they want them executed. Until those kind of things change, yeah. like look at look at Detroit. They've made some changes, obviously, organizationally over the years, and they've finally started to see some results from that. No, look, you know, it, 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 what I, where I was going with this was the idea that the average Jets fan really does know better than Christopher Jones, <laughs> Adam Gates, and the jury is still out on, on Joe Douglas. A bunch of his moves have not quite shaken out the way. Well, I, I'm you know, sorry but, about your Jets. Yeah, so here's so maybe this is a, a good segue with. Uh, politics being the minefield that it is, the the general news environment being relentlessly gloomy. Usually, I would have professional football to cheer me up, and you see what's going on with that. Um, Nikki, I found myself enjoying a show that I never thought I would enjoy. That's completely outside my usual tastes and and preferences, and I think it, it might just tell. Be, so it might just entirely be a frustrated desire to travel. Uh, but it, it, have you ever heard of either the television show or the book series Longmire? I have heard of it. I have not watched it, but I have heard of it. Yes. Tell me more. So a couple weeks ago, flipping through Netflix, I, this came up in the selection. The algorithm had, had somehow peered into my brain and said, Jim thinks he's not into Westerns, but he might like this one. Uh, Longmire takes place in the modern day, but it is set in, uh, it's a fictional county, but it based much is the most rural county in Wyoming. And Wyoming has, I think, less than 600,000 people. So when you're sparsely populated by Wyoming standards, that's when you know uh, it's really spread out. It's filmed all in location in Wyoming. And it's a cop show. It's just kind of about the daily life of this uh, sheriff who is a widower. Um, as the show begins, you know, he's been through something traumatic. You know, his wife passed away about a year earlier and he's having a tough time kind of putting Isn't that aside. Kevin Costner the star? It's not. Okay. So there's another show that, uh, I think it's called Yellowstone that is okay. kind of in that, it's when, when, when the Costner show came on, thank people said it was kind of a national successor. Was, yeah. Thank you. Cause I was very confused. Uh, Longmire, I think ran for about six seasons. Uh, it was on AMC for the first couple, and it was then it was shifted over to Netflix for the last few years. Um, and I think one of the only article I ever read about it beforehand was an article about how it had no online buzz. There was no like, and somebody was marveling that it was this reasonably successful show that did not have any of the usual traditional measures of popularity. It was there were no. Long Not the whole, head. like, everyone was all night live tweeting yeah. it like they do The Walking exactly. Dead or Game Facebook page or and yeah. convention, and none of that. And, you know, it is it is definitely a diff- very different in its style. It is very laconic, as they say, of the uh, the gentleman out there. It is, uh, obviously, like I said, the, the, the scenery, wide open spaces, you just kind of get, one of the kind of recurring points, I think the, the author, Craig Johnson, made this point, like, in a lot of cop shows these days, you know, they kept the body and it's like, well, let's go to the crime lab. And the crime lab basically tells them everything they need to know. Uh, Craig Johnson lives out in Wyoming and he once asked a cop if you, you know, I believe Wyoming has one serious crime lab in the entire state. And he said to the guy, if you sent something and said, I need quick results on this, you know, when would, you, when would they get back to you? And the local sheriff said something like, mm, maybe nine months. 
So if you are in law enforcement in a rural Wyoming county, you can't count on technology to get out there. And he made the point. A lot of these counties, they don't have cell phone towers. So there's really not a point in having your cell. Or if they do, you got a very limited range where they can do that. And so it's just this, I don't want to say, you know, it would be very snotty East Coaster of me to, to say, oh, it's a backwards way of life. But it is a way of life that is very different from what those of us, um, you know, major populated areas in the year 2020 come to expect. And it's I one think of the, that what you would call it is a simpler way yes. of life. And a lot of these old, you know, quote unquote, old fashioned detective techniques of, of you know, getting almost Columbo-esque getting answers out of people. Um, I was describing the scene to someone where he needed to he knew somebody was was not telling him the whole story. And, you know, in a usual cop show, they'd bring him into the interview room and they'd sweat him or something like that. And in this one, Longmire shows up at the door of his uh, camper trailer and he says with a six pack. He lets the guy drink. By the way, I'm not entirely sure if what you say is admissible, but, you know, after the guy's had five beers, he says, look, doing something stupid is not a crime. Lying to a cop about doing something stupid is a crime. Uh And the guy spills his guts and gives him the important clue that he needs. And it's just, you know, that little example, you get a sense of, okay, this is a very different kind of cop show. Right. uh, In one in which, and maybe it's the expression of my frustration with technology. (laughs) Mickey, I want to get away. I want to go to some place like Wyoming, Jackson Hole, some place where the scenery. I need you to understand that had I known this was going to be our next segue, I would have, so like, I would have found a way to segue the Kim Kardashian into Kanye living in Wyoming thing somehow. (laughs) I don't know how I would have done it, but I would have figured it out. Didn't Paris Hilton and her friend do that, went out to the country show? They did The Simple Life. There you it go. was one of the first kind of weird reality shows of that kind. Yeah. She and Nicole, Nicole Richie. Richie. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, he, but he actually has that ranch now out there in Wyoming. So it's, you know, I have not been there. And now it's rocketing up the places I want to go to once. Uh, right. This is weird. Stuff. But again. I think that there's a couple things you're tapping into. One, I'll have to check the show out. Sounds like something I would maybe watch. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Um, you know, I like like mysteries. So mm-hmm. if there's that part of it, good. If it's like too just like family drama, I don't have time for that. Not so much that. Or at least you know, it's definitely leaning to the crime end. And uh, okay. Starbuck uh, from Battlestar Galactica is a deputy. Like I knew who that is. She's uh, 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 Katie Sackoff. If I showed you her picture, you'd know who she was. But anyway, okay. just being that she's kind of, she's the transplant from the East Coast who's kind of a little more snarky and, you know, the one who they need okay. to explain all these country ways to. But anyway, you were saying, I didn't mean to. Oh, no. Um, but I do think that it, you're tapping into something that we're all feeling, which is, of course, you want to get away. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you, I think on our last episode, we talked about that Hotels.com commercial, you know, places. I remember places. They're so places-y. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, and they're not here, not your house. And I think that, you know, I'm a fan of travel log shows anyway. Like, and I travel a lot. And I still wish I traveled more normally. Um, But now that I can't really travel at all, I'm obsessed with travel log shows. I watch anything, like the people that are, the dumb people that are cooking or traveling, eating food, and half of them, I hate them. I don't even like listening to them talk. I'll mute them and just, like, watch the scenery because it's just – it's amazing to me to still have the opportunity to see other places and experience other places from my couch if I have to. 
Um, but yeah, like I think everyone's kind of got that wonderlust going on and are finding it in different ways. I was going to say uh, when you know the when Anthony Bourdain uh, took his own life. Right. I remember being so angry that I just I couldn't watch any of his old shows. I could I, I just you know, and then I'd say like about a month ago. Uh, I think Hulu has the last couple of seasons of No Reservations, which was his show for the Travel Channel. And I think was actually probably a, a better yeah. show because it's more fun. And I just found myself watching like five or six of them because it just felt Dude, good. so have I. <laughs> you know? yeah. I. I have recently watched some of No Reservations as well. Some of my favorite episodes, which of course everyone's favorite episode, Vietnam. Went and watched that one. Um, but there were just, again it's such a great experience seeing it through his eyes and whatever but it is an escapism and it's one that i recommend because yeah. i think it's good for you well you know, the the intriguing thing is like you know if you're lucky enough to be able to travel uh, regularly and around the world wonderful god bless you uh, obviously lots of people can't but usually you know summertime you end up going to the beach some people are able to do this this uh this past summer a lot of people travel for thanksgiving and now some people are not so sure if they'll be doing that, traveling for the holidays. Um, there's, you know, lots of things, like, like there's a kind of a pace and a rhythm to our life that has been utterly halted. Uh, the, the joke going around is like, this is the 237th day of March, right? You know, this, all these ways of measuring our life that we usually have, uh, have kind of been interrupted in, in mm -hmm. you know, in large part. And you know, if uh, we talked about football. Oh, if you but, think yeah. I am aging a year for 2020, <laughs> you've lost your mind. I'm going to go backwards. So just so we're clear. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a, uh, you know, I, I, I every time somebody had a birthday during the quarantine, I would send them a Facebook message, say happy birthday. And I'd say, you know what, when this thing is all over, we have to do a big birthday party for everybody. And we're now up to uh, what? You know, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Seven months of this? Eight mm -hmm. months? Right? I It'll mean, like be a big ass birthday party. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> but anyway, as you were saying, Longmire, good. And yeah. I, I would say this: I, I'm not big on westerns, but I'm willing to give it a shot simply based on the crime aspect of it, and on the idea of seeing the Wyoming countryside. Because again, like I said, I. I, you know, I'm into travelogue TV, but probably much more so than ever. And I really do think like any kind of escape that you can, that's, you know, relatively healthy, do it. Oh, you know, speaking of Western gunslingers mm -hmm. and traveling to places far, far away, um, Mickey, you are not a subscriber to Disney Plus. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. So in a couple of days, as of this recording. South Park teaches. Continue. Okay. Well, I was going to say, The Mandalorian Returns. So I'm curious to to someone who other, I, I know last year I probably ranted to you about the show for hours and I, I forgive you for tuning out as someone who's not plugged into this, mm -hmm. like how much of the show, per, like I'm sure you're familiar with baby Yoda. I was and, just going to say, don't steal my thunder because I know about baby Yoda. Okay. Um, who I think is adorable. And even though I don't watch the show, I still want one. FYI. Okay. There you go. Um, but they so, have one that walks around. I know, I, I know. Yeah. Is it weird if I ask for that for Christmas, even though I don't watch the show? Because it's no, so not at all. I think all right, every, it's, like if, it's if 2020 cool. ended with everyone getting a baby Yoda, I think we'd all say, okay, now we're even. <laughs> that is so cool, right? Um, yes, but I know about baby Yoda, and I know that we don't see the Mandalorian's face. I think. Um, 
Is that the gist of it? You, you are I in the ballpark. That, yes. All right. Yeah, that's like okay. basically all I know. That, that's that. Those are like two of the the you know big concepts of the show. Um, comes back and, and it was intriguing last year to watch because you know most of Netflix uh, it comes out all at once. You know you want you know Stranger Things you like it you can watch it all in a day if you felt like you wanted to watch you know ten or twelve episodes all in one. Disney Plus decided Mandalorian was going to come out once a week on Fridays, and so it turned into, in our house, the Friday night tradition, let's watch Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it, it was the, almost like a return of appointment television. Although, thankfully, we could, you know, start watching whenever we wanted, whenever dinner was done on Friday night. But it was, you know, you, you know and generally they were not on a hard cliffhanger, but you wondered what was going to happen next. And mm -hmm. uh so, you know, look, at a year where, you know, so many things have been disappointments, it is good to see that show back. Um, I have something for you on this. Okay. I'm going to, one, I was going to say something, so I'm just going to say it. Um, again, I always say South Park teaches, and people will know who watch South Park what I mean about Disney when I say this. Um, they've programmed you guys. <laughs> and other, other people are doing it as well, by the way. It's not just Disney, but... Because they are releasing this, right, on Fridays. Most people get home from work when they get together. It's a Friday night thing, right? They're getting you set up and addicted on their own levels, which I actually prefer in some ways. Um, but I, because I'm such a binge watcher, I tend to get irritated with shows that do that intentionally. Mm. Um, but I do think it's interesting. You know, one of the big, big movies on Netflix this summer was The Social Dilemma. Um, which basically talks about how all the people who created Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else created algorithms to mess with our brains and to release dopamine when we get likes and all of these things that were being programmed basically by the social media that we consume. And I, you know, I believe that to a certain degree, yes, I think that with everything, people have to make their own decisions. You can choose to sit in front of your screen for 18 hours a day, or you can choose not to. That's a choice. Um, but people are in front of their screens for different reasons, too. Like, you might have to work. You might want to play. You might want to chat. There's a million reasons to do that. Um, there's a new game out, and I want to know if you've heard of this game. Um, it's called Among Us. Oh, Yes. There are two little people in my household who have, uh, have brought my brought it to my attention and who are ardent okay. fans of uh, yes. And everyone I have talked to prior to me finding out what this game was was telling me what an awesome game it was, how I had to go on and play. Are you familiar with the outline of the game? Uh, yes, the just it's almost like a you know an, an alien shapeshifter style story. You are part of a group of astronauts, and one of one among you is not really on the team and is actually trying to kill you and trying to sabotage the space mm -hmm. station or whatever it is. Yes. That's kind of, yeah. And it's my understanding that everyone gets together and they vote on who is the alien will say, mm -hmm. and the alien then has to go whether or not they were in fact the alien. And there are no consequences for those who choose incorrectly. Now I could be wrong, but <laughs> There's a part of me, Jim, not a little part, a big part of me that finds this to be very social engineering-y, <laughs> and I don't like it. And, you know, I am not, like, I am not the crazy person who was like, don't let your kids play video games, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I don't even think I've really said much about TikTok. I think that's, again, a personal choice. At, 
this is one of those games where the more I started reading it, if you go, in fact, I encourage you to put in um, Among Us and put that into Google and what it explains the show or explains the game to you, because that's what I did, explains the game to you as a social game of, what is it? It says like a social game of manipulation. Yeah, it definitely is about group dynamics. It definitely is about... Who do you trust? Who do you instinctively trust? Who do you do instinctively not trust? Um, yes, but the group then votes, and the people have to get like like I said again. All of this plays with my. I don't trust groups in general. I don't want groups deciding my fate. So I don't know that I'll be playing this game, but I do feel like if we were going to program people, Jim, for like a I don't know, say a star chamber. <laughs> What would look differently than Among Us? Yeah. I mean, if your group dynamic is that you often get it wrong, mm-hmm. ideally it would get people to reevaluate why do they automatically, who, why do they find certain people suspicious? Why do they find people, certain people inherently trustworthy? Um, and should they, you know, perhaps check their, those instincts and recognize that they often can lead them astray? And my sneaking suspicion, uh, at least according to the small little people in my house who tell me about them, is that they're not that, that, that actually this doesn't make anybody like it all all simply like denials are automatically seen as looking guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some reason, being the first to accuse others does not turn into uh, does not automatically stir suspicion. Like yeah. so, so in a way, if you are the I don't know why I thought it sounded like social engineering. That's so <laughs> my bad. Totally my bad. So yeah, it's it you know, you could just as easily do um Salem Witch Trials the game. I, right? Uh, okay. So just to be clear to everyone, I'm not a nutso. I am not <laughs> that person. I just want you to understand that it was legitimately one of those Situations where I started to find out about it, the more I heard about it, the more I was like, this is programming. I'm pretty sure this is programming. I mean, it's willful programming. People are choosing to do it. But I'm still very uncomfortable with the process behind it. Well, I mean, it, it's a... You know, it's fun. The little people I, I, who live at your house are going to be so mad because I just told you that. <laughs> no. You know, I've... I mean, I'm not a huge uh, fan of any kind of video game. So I, I myself am not. And I've kind of said, oh, okay. You know, there, I mean, the other thing is you can like watch, you, you can look around and you can sometimes catch somebody in the act of trying to kill. Each, each person's got a color, you know. And, you know, oh, I saw red kill blue or something like that. And the question then is, do, you, do people believe you or do they think that, you no? Know, you're actually, you know, uh, the killer and you're trying to put suspicion towards... Uh, towards red and for whatever reason people you know like I, it, it's been interesting to see how uh, i think i saw a really funny cartoon that suggested uh uh that, that, that you had labeled them of like you know so there's somebody who's pointing the, the finger of suspicion at the wrong person mm-hmm. and it was labeled um uh you know this, the, the way school districts look at the kid the quiet kid who's generally not a problem versus the bully <laughs> and the kid is, you know, the kid is not a problem. Decides he's had enough. Throws, you know, throws a punch or, or you know, defends himself. And of course, the school the school district comes down on a ton of bricks on the, the kid who defended himself mm-hmm. instead of the bully. It's kind of that dynamic. It's kind of that, you know, um, sense of like. like I just need if you anything, to understand. It, you're not changing my mind. 
Yeah, no, with I your explanations. In fact, as you keep going, I just seem to be yeah. more solidified in my earlier beliefs. <laughs> it shows you um, just how much people you, you should not trust people. <laughs> you, you should not. I mean, trust if that's what it teaches people, instincts. then then maybe it is good because, as you know, I trust no one. No one is to be trusted. So perhaps it is good after all. I, I don't think um, you would look at this, at the, you know, I, I don't think you would play a lot of Among Us and come to the conclusion, oh, people generally have good judgment and can sniff out someone who's <laughs> up I to mean, no really good. though, people have good there anything instincts, that sure. you can do that's online that will lead you to believe that people have good judgment oh, so of any kind? Mickey, the most common phrase that I feel like I encounter in any general public controversy is somebody who's convinced they can spot a liar, that they can sniff them out. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, I'll bet if I looked in your attic, I would find a record from Millie Vanilli. Right? Mm-hmm. I am sure I would find, you know, and you can go down the list of every controversy of you know, the authors who made stuff up. I'm sure they love the reporting of Stephen Glass. I'm sure they love the reporting of Jason Blair. Like, you can go down the list. Like, I hate to say, we, we all like to believe that we're good at sniffing out liars, but we're not, because if we were, no one would bother lying. You know, I, like, I, I would like to quote the late, great Tom Petty on this. I've been quoting him a lot lately. You believe what you want to believe. And that was from Refugee. Um, and I legitimately believe that is something that is currently going on in every aspect of our society. Yeah. <laughs> People believe what they want to believe. Choose your own adventure, choose your own reality. Yeah. I think that that's one of those things that, you know, maybe more so now than ever, but it is certainly something that, again, I find myself quoting the great, great Tom Petty on this, on people believe what they want to believe. And um, I I want to get this in, even though I realize, like, we're running up against the Halloween deadline or whatever. I feel like I owe this to our... (laughs) I feel like I owe this to our listeners because I praised Hill House, um, The Haunting of Hill House. It was an eight or ten episode series, um, kind of the, you know, the long strung out, slow burn version of a ghost story. And it was really well done. It was done on Netflix, um, exceptionally well done, well cast kind of had that feel of an old school creepy ghost story but had enough current um things going on and like current special effects but not overdone that it still felt creepy and real it kept you in the minute every time and so I was a big fan of the haunting of hill house I thought the story was great I thought it flowed it 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 was definitely 100% one of those shows that you wanted to go back and watch all over again to see the things that you missed that you should have caught kind of things, um, mm. which in my opinion is the tell of a great, great series. Now, <clears throat> fast forward. They tell us they're going to be doing another version called, I think it was called The Haunting of Bly Manor. Of Bly sure. Manor. Um, but Bly Manor is the key words here. And it was to come out in October. It was kind of to be not necessarily a, a sequel or a prequel, but... Uh, a companion piece, yeah, if you will. From the creators, a spiritual yes, sequel. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I need to tell you, it was exceptionally disappointing. And I want to just be clear and blunt on this because I don't want people wasting their time. 
I watched the entire thing. There were several times where I felt like episodes were filmed without other people knowing what was going on because they didn't fit into the storyline at uh-huh. all. Um, and later found out that, in fact, there was an episode that was injected in because an actress wanted to be included in this particular scenes, et cetera. And, and it actually made more sense when you found out that they had messed it up because it made <laughs> no sense. Um, the storyline made no sense. It didn't hold water at all. Um, and it just did not, it didn't do anything. Like I, I was really, really disappointed to say the least. And so I, I want all of our listeners to know, don't waste your time with Blind Manor this weekend. Um, I did watch Hubie Halloween and I will tell you this, it was hilarious. I yes. thought it was great. I like Adam Sandler's goofiness. This was way better than, like, the Jack and Jill. This was much more in line with, like, Billy Madison um, and that kind of vibe to it. And so, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. There were cameos everywhere. Um, So for, like, a good lighthearted laugh, that one's a good one. But avoid Bly Manor at all costs. That's good. I'd heard uh, some Sandler fans who were not as enamored with this one. Um, And and I wonder if, like, we we talk about the number the sheer amount of fairly big-name Hollywood talent who was moving over to Netflix, probably even more so, obviously, with the pandemic going on, mm-hmm. with you know, traditional movies, you know. Um, and I wonder if Netflix gives people more freedom, which can be a double-edged sword. You know, that sense of... You know, the, the more freedom means, on the one hand, you can experiment, you can do, tell stories, you can go in directions that another studio might just say, eh, it's just not what we want to do. But the flip side is that maybe not every instinct works maybe not every instinct is what uh would work well for this and you know there's a need for somebody to come along and say eh, adam this is just not you know the idea that's the it's it, it's funnier in your head than it's turning out on on the screen I don't know okay but what if i told you this um i actually thought it was really funny and yeah it was like stupid funny and there were stupid things in it but it was funny but how about this i am happy that i watched it on netflix and they are probably happy they didn't release it in a theater. So there's something to be said about yeah. this type of distribution. Like, right. obviously, I know one of the things we had mentioned when I talking about, actually, this is a great lead-in, was what's going on with theaters right now. Um, because, in my opinion, I would not have paid to go see it when it opened. No way. No chance in hell. And if I had, I would have been really mad about the money I spent on it because it's not that kind of movie. But the fact that it came on Netflix and it came on the week, whatever it came on, I watched it and I thought it was a great movie and I laughed um, throughout. I think that, you know, again, this is a win for them, too, because he doesn't have a box office flop now. Now he's got like the number two trending movie on Netflix or number one trending movie on Netflix. And so there's a trade off that's being made there. But I don't know. and, And for certain movies like this one. Right this is such a better way to launch it. But as we talked about earlier, we talked about Black Widow um, and some of the other movies. Those have to be released on the screen for a couple reasons, not the least of which is to get their money back, but because there are a lot of people who want to go see it on the big screen. These are the movies that go to IMAX because people want to see it on that screen. Um, or in a 3d manner. So tell me, Jim, what do you think is happening with theater? What are we going to do now? You just put your because I, I keep seeing the article saying it's never been this bad. Uh, movie chains are going to go out of business. And look, I mean, right now, I think if you're a movie chain, 
one, you know, people are the studios don't want to put their big releases after Tenet flopped or, or didn't bring in nearly the kind of money that they thought it was going to. Uh, that they decided, okay, this is too risky. We'll, we're going to save it for, you know, when everybody's vaccinated. And, you know, knocking on wood, you know, we're supposed, they said 20 some million doses could be ready by January. You know, by June, most of America should have uh, vaccinated. At least that's the, the, the fairly optimistic one from the, head, the guy who heads up Operation Warp Speed. So the irony is, is that, you know, you know, if you're a theater, nobody's coming in and you've got zero money coming in. Still mm-hmm. got to pay for the electricity bill. Still got to pay for the heating. All the usual stuff you need to, you know, do. Mm-hmm. But you got, you know, zero money coming in. But it's not like if, if this is going to go on for years and years, you'd be like, well, we, let's shut it down. And the great irony is that come May, June, July, Americans will presumably be like, okay, it, it's safe to go back to the movies. I want to go back to the movies. And uh, you know, I, I'd be, be very sad if the the movie theaters have gone out of business by then and they can't get back into business. If it's Flip like side, anything though, it's like, else, when they open up and let people know that they are open for business, people will show up. Now, yeah. I know that theaters have had more trouble just because of the fear of people sitting beside you. But what I will tell you is that restaurants are busy. Stores are busy. Places where people can go to leave their homes are busy. So places that mm-hmm. are open are, are almost always packed. So I, I do think that, as you said, there, there's that minute the spigot kind of turns on and yeah. they can get back out again and people will. They want to. There's a demand to get back out. So I think that's good. Exactly. I, I was about to say, in fact, there's a pent-up demand that will be, you know, and by the way, if you're yeah, Marvel, well you've very got well this, you've got not just the movies you were supposed to have released in 2021, which by the way, because of production issues, they may not have gotten them. Uh, they may not, they may have had to push back production and it may not be ready on time. But the flip side is, um, you know, you, you've got all these movies you're expecting to release all through 2020 and they've just been sitting there. You know, waiting for somebody to come through and, and finally deliver. So um, there is, I, I, I look for, first of all, I would say if there's anything I really miss, and I feel like it's been one of the big differences out of daily life uh, for this, you know, I'd like to get together with people and I'd like to get together with, uh, it, it'd be nice to go to the movies. It'd be great to see. But you're right. First of all, like, as you mentioned with the Adam Sandler and Netflix, nobody feels bad bailing out of a Netflix movie after like five, 10 minutes. You tune it in. It's just not what you expected. It's not what you're looking for. It doesn't fit your mood. You didn't pay any tickets. Right. You didn't buy the the popcorn and jujubes and and you it know. It didn't cost uh, you forty bucks. Right. You just go still you know, go boop press the button backwards and look for another option. Mm-hmm. Once you go to the movies, by and large, it's a commitment. Right. It is it is something where you kind of um you know you paid your your you know, you paid you got parking you're sitting there. I'm sure there are listeners who have walked out of a movie theater. I'm trying to think if I've ever done it myself, but like, um, Jim, your host has walked, your co-host has walked out of a movie theater. I need you to understand. Like a lot, or or not, once in a not while. a lot, but okay. it's been done. And I say this because it it's very rare for me to get irritated enough with a movie to like to get up and walk. Um, however, it's also very rare for me to go to the movies anymore. Yeah. Because, as you know, I'm not great with commitment. That's not my thing. And so <laughs> the idea of committing to especially these ridiculous three-hour-long movies where I'm going to be trapped in there with, you know, obviously whatever popcorn I've purchased and soda and everything else. And 
I may or may not even like it. Like, that's way too much for me. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, I can think of a lot more I'd rather do with three hours of my time than that. The average um, movie per, per American went to about, goes to about five movies a year. And obviously, you know, this is a very abnormal year. But like, you know, so they're, they're probably doing so like low average. one, maybe one Oscar bait in the fall, you know, probably two or three, uh, you know, summer blockbusters. And maybe one other random at some other time of the year, and and that's kind of that's it. So w- the first thing is is that you know it's an event, you know it's it's a commitment, but it's also a um, you know that, that you you've you know, like I said you got to go parking, all kind of stuff, <laughs> and you have this um, you know you you expect to really be blown away. You really expect it to say, All right, show me what you got, Hollywood. I want to see spaceships blowing up. I want to see superheroes. I want to see something hilariously funny you know make it worth my while and sometimes they do it sometimes they don't and i think every time it's a bad one people are like why did i spend all that money why did i make this time commitment you know the radio netflix is just easier now having said that you know if and when they you know and, and you know black widow wonder woman I think what other like big movies are coming oh dune you know these are big movies that obviously were you know made to be seen on the big <laughs> screen so Yes, but there are movies bad enough that people get up and walk out, and I would be one of those people. Um, although I did actually have to talk somebody out of walking out of a movie once. I was with um, several. What was the movie? I'm very always curious about which one is the you know. What, you're what gonna die. You? I was. I, I this it, this is such a horrible story, um, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. I was with several of my black friends on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Martin Luther King Day, and we had decided to go see Ali. And I don't know if you've ever sat through Ali or not. I remember seeing it and liking it, but I think I might have watched it on. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't um, there were a lot of scenes where he just started running. Like, and he uh, would run and run and run. And at one point, my friend, and again, I'm like one of the few white people in the entire theater. My friend looks at me and says, I think we should go outside and have a cigarette. And I was <laughs> like, oh, hell no. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I think we should go. I think we should go outside. She's like, this is terrible. And then we just keep going. We just leave. <laughs> and I um, I had to convince her that that was not happening and that we were going to sit there and watch the end of the movie. And she's never forgiven me, by the way, because she was really? like, was we should have left. That was a terrible movie. Was it that um, bad? Really? And I've got to tell you, in a theater, it really was. There were, again, he, I think he won awards for that and whatnot, but it was a really yeah. bad movie. The scenes where the running, and you know me. Um, and listeners know, I think every movie could benefit from more editing. Um, and this was definitely one of those. There were scenes that were brilliant, but the problem was the timing and the pacing of the movie was so mm-hmm. slow. And again, the running scenes were so painful and felt like they went on forever. Um, that, yeah, it was, it, like I said, it was just one of those movies that was not very good. Um, I can think of a lot of movies that other people like that I was like, yeah, that's not good. I've, but again, I also wanted to get up and walk out of the matrix is to the one with the orgy in the middle. Yeah. And the irony is I would say that's not even the bad one Okay, because, <laughs> because the bad one has, the same person, uh, by the way, the exact same person who wanted to get up and walk out on, on Ali. She's the girl who drags me to the movies all the time. We are in um, the Matrix and Matrix 2. And I'm at this point like, no, 
no, this is not happening. This is stupid. And she made me stay through that, which I, of course, have not forgiven her for. So, Matrix uh, Reloaded was the second one. Uh, I would agree with anyone who wanted to criticize. There's plenty to criticize in that movie. But basically from Monica Bellucci's appearance, in part because she's Monica Bellucci, mm-hmm. uh, but basically from Monica Bellucci's appearance to the end of the, the truck chase is all pretty good. That's all pretty... Uh, uh, fun, exciting stuff, and that's a, that, that's a fine action movie right there. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about, and I didn't watch three either. Three okay. um, is the disaster. Three is the one where, it, yeah, I you know I remember catching it on cable years later. I think I was like on the one of the cruises or something, and saying, okay, I remember this being terrible. Let me see if it's you know really that bad, or I was just disappointed. The majority and, of the films that I've walked out on, to be completely frank, were probably more like small independent films. Like you go and see them in a smaller theater kind of thing, yeah. and you start watching it and realize it's just really bad. Yeah. And then you leave. Yeah. Um, and by the way, for anyone who was wondering, yeah, Matrix Revolutions really was that bad. It, it, it did not. <laughs> yeah. um, every once in a while, I, you, you'll, you'll hear a movie's a bomb. You'll hear it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then you'll almost get curious about it. Like, just how bad can it be? Yeah, it can't be that I bad. I watched the female reboot of Ghostbusters. And I was like, I'm going to watch this until I laugh. Let's see how long it takes. And I finished mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really as bad as they as they said, and it was, you know, the the bad thing was was that it was like it, it's. I think one of the guys did a really good uh, uh, YouTube video where he basically observed that the director so let them improv mm-hmm. that it, it needed structure, it needed direction. Space for all, the, the the well the the, the four actresses uh, were basically he's like do go up and do your shtick, do his funny. So that's why you have you know. Melissa McCarthy doing her thing and um, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon was reasonably funny. I guess you could give her, you give her effort for trying really hard, but everybody else, mm-hmm. it was just this relentless, you know, uh, and, and, and um, oh, Mr. Plinkett is the name of the guy. And he, he, you know, does lengthy analyses of movies and why they work and why they don't work. But this was a very clear one of, it needed somebody to say, hmm, you know, this idea isn't working. We're just going to, instead of using all 10, we're just going to use the three best ideas. And nobody else seemed to be willing to do that. So, but anyway, okay. that's where we There go. you go. Um, one of the things I did want to bring up with you all as well, um, which I, I don't even know how I feel about it because there's just so much going on with it. And it has so much to do with my childhood. Mm-hmm. But they're doing a new Save by the Bell. Now, it's not a reboot. It's not Saved by the Bell, the new class. It's not a remake. It's actually more like kind of what we saw. And actually, Kira Davis, our friend Kira Davis and I were talking about it. She's the one who suggested it's kind of like what we saw with 90210 when they brought back some of the characters but twisted the story all up. And in this particular case, they're bringing back four of the major characters, um, Zach and Kelly, of course, and Slater and, um, what's her name? Jesse. They're all back. No Screech and no Lisa. Screech, I think, is in jail, and I don't think Lisa likes any of them anymore. But they're, like, adults. And in the trailer that I saw, it appears that Jesse and Slater work at the school, 
and Kelly and Zach are married and he's like the governor of California or something. And it's weird. It's weird. I don't know if it's going to be good, if it's going to be one of those things where it's like kind of kitschy and funny or if it's going to be like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Like, I just can't tell. But I feel like it's right there on that line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, having had quite a few things that I thought were brilliant, showing them to my little guys and they're kind of underwhelmed. There are certain things that were just great in that time period that represented something uh, significant in that time period. Like, you know, um, Max Headroom, for example, right? For the late 1980s, this was the weirdest thing on television, and it was all about how television is bad for you, right? Like, you're like, how on earth did this ever end up on primetime network television on ABC? Mm -hmm. um, but by the standards of 2020, it's just this weird low-budget show. And right. it's not edgy. It's not completely different from anything else anybody's ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, like, the, the part of it might just be people love, you know, people who went after school and watched Saved by the Bell. You know, it, it's about that time and place. It wasn't that it was an extremely well-acted show. Dude, I remember bonding with one of my college boyfriends over Saved by the Bell. Like... <laughs> It was just one of those things that people watched. It, it felt like everybody everybody had done it, right? Everybody, yes. you know, yeah. Like, oh, I remember that show. Oh, God, Screech, he was so annoying. And, you know, wait, didn't and Zach I, have the I power to stop time? it was time one of the first and, you know, nights yeah. that we were hanging out. And that just popped in my head. But I remember it was one of the first nights that we were hanging out. And, um, <laughs> and, yeah, and one of the conversations came back to Saved by the Bell. And it turns out, like, we both love Saved by the Bell, and at that time they were running Saved by the Bell in the middle of the night, like on TBS or something. Mm -hmm. And of course, put on Saved by the Bell, and you know we ended up dating for quite a while after that. All right, so here's a here's a really good book. So it was a show about being a was that they were high schoolers, right? Yes. And and you were in high school at the time, right? So yes. here's a show that is about even if you don't you know you don't necessarily relate to any of the characters or something like that. That's, you know, like, you know, okay, so this is your, you know, it's, it, you're, you're reacting because you see something on screen that is more reflective of your life than let's say the A-team right? or, you know, Charles in charge or, or some sort of you know, small wonder with a robot. You knew it was you know? cheesy. Like yeah, that's oh, the weird part is like you yeah. knew that it was cheesy even when you were watching it. But you either love Zach or you love Slater if you were a girl. <laughs> and if you were a boy, I think you guys all loved Kelly. And you also Kelly. Um, felt strongly like about the one who's doing showgirls? Or... <laughs> What's that? Well, I was going to say, are they going to work in any reference to, uh, was it Kelly who went to, went to Las Vegas? No, to Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Jesse. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they don't work a showgirls reference in, this will all be for naught. I bet they do. Because, again, it's kind of that tongue-in-cheek kind of feel based on what I saw in the trailer. So I would encourage everyone to, to check the trailer out because um, if you were into Saved by the Bell, it's something you should watch. And then, again, I'm not sure how you feel about the show, but I'll be curious to hear your feedback. Um, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter or we don't really check Facebook very much anymore, but you can hit us up on Twitter. It exists. I'm, and if you, does, if you, you can comments, we might notice. If, if you send us a message there, we will get it. Um, I'm at Bias Girl. He is at Jim Garrity. Um, so those are always good to find us on Twitter to do those kind of things. Um, 
But the uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, because I know we've been chatting for a while here, and I know that we can't go too much longer because we're about to run out of bubble time for both Jim and I, um, is that someone on this call and someone on this line who is speaking to our listeners right now, not me, has another book coming out. Indeed I do, Mickey. And it says something about how I did not try to shoehorn this in at any point during our conversation. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I'm really happy about it. Um, this, the title is uh, Hunting for Horsemen. It is available on Amazon for pre-order. The release date is November 17th. There is some other guy who's got a book coming out that day. I think his name is Obama or something. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so this is a sequel to the thriller uh, Between Two Scorpions. Um, and I'm trying to think about a good way to summarize it. Uh, early on in this, this ordeal of a pandemic, Mickey, I started thinking about what, you know, what would my, my characters be doing? What is it like to, to do this? And what was waiting for us on the other side? Hunting for Horsemen takes place in the spring after the, the coronavirus pandemic, which I'm hoping is next spring. Mm-hmm. The world is kind of starting to get to normal, uh, but not quite there. There is definitely this mood of having been through something very challenging, very hard. And my team, which works at the, the Central Intelligence Agency, mm-hmm. uh, finds word that someone is offering the ability to genetically engineer a virus to target any gene the buyer wants. By mm-hmm. the way, dear listeners, the technology to do this is very real. It, it, it's not been done yet. But everything that I describe in this book exists. It's simply a matter of putting all the knowledge together. It's absolutely terrifying, and I suspect a probably a threat that will be coming down the pike someday. And I just kind of want to say, okay, so then now we've got our, our threat. We've got our menace. Uh, and then what's the world going to look like, you know, hopefully just a few months from now as we are trying to get back to something resembling normal life. Still has lots of jokes in it, lots of one-liners. Um, well, you wrote it. I, I, yeah, it's, it's me. There's a lot in it. Um, and a lot of bit about, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed my writing at national review about, uh, the labs in Wuhan and stuff like that, I think you'll see a lot of that research ending up in this novel, but it's a thriller. It's a chase. It's hopefully a lot of fun. And for anyone who has enjoyed, um, you know, strange locations, strange places on earth, uh, there's a lot of that in there too. So this, uh, give it, go over to the Amazon page, check it out. I have some fun blurbs coming. And uh, Mickey, thank you for reminding me. Uh, you'll be hearing more about this in some future edition of our show. Oh, absolutely. I just want to tell all of our listeners um, at this time to, if you're going to go do it, do it now, pre-order. That helps Jim considerably because when the when it drops, um, they'll actually have a way to lift him up the list. So go ahead and pre-order those books and uh, help him out with that as well. That's yeah, so I thanks everyone. Mickey, it is very good to hear your voice. Listeners, I'm glad you're able to enjoy join us for this. And uh Mickey and I will try to be a, a, a more regular presence in your life going forward. Why don't we just keep lying to them and saying that over and over <laughs> and over again? Well you know, <laughs> no, we are Jim doesn't mind lying to you. I'm looking to say like we've been trying really hard and it's hard, people. 2020 is hard. Um but yes, we are trying to be more regular. Jim and I are trying to make commitments to each other to be more regular, especially after things get a little less crazy in his world and mine um, next week. So um, we are just so grateful that you guys are here with us and listening to us and, and communicating with us online. Um, we love having these shows with you. So if you're listening now, go ahead and hit subscribe um, to wherever you are listening. Um, and you can find us on 
all of the podcatchers. You can also find us at, um, uh, I'm sorry, iTunes and several other places. So it's, <laughs> what? So my SoundCloud. brain just got SoundCloud. Thank you, Jim. Uh, yes, they can also I find it at SoundCloud. Before. Look. This is what happens after eight hours of Zoom. Like, I'm done. Like, my brain is fried. This is what you got. Um, sorry about that. Yes, you can find us at SoundCloud and iTunes and all of your podcatchers. But wherever you're listening, if you hit subscribe now, you won't miss the next time that it comes out. And since we have been so bad about being on a regular schedule, that is a real benefit in these times. <laughs> So once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. You have been listening to the one, the only Jim and Mickey show. <laughs>